If you've been listening to my show, you know that the importer on the back of the bottle is one of the surest ways to guarantee a quality bottle of wine. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Taub Family Selections. Taub Family Selections is a dynamic, fourth-generation, family-owned wine import company with a truly incredible portfolio of fine wines from 11 countries. These wines not only embody the unique terroir in which they are produced, but the passion and integrity of each family member involved from vineyard to table. Notable estates include Mastro Berardino, Bertani, Travellini, Ferrari, Coldorcia, Trimbach, Jean-Luc Colombo, Jean-Michel Jarin, among many other renowned producers. They also have from Bordeaux, Lafitte Rothschild from the left bank, and on the right bank, they have Chateau Lafleur. I'm telling you, these guys have it all. To find out even more, go to TaubFamilySelections.com. That's T-A-U-B, FamilySelections.com. Do you know about Grapes the Wine Company? Grapes is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. They offer a remarkable selection of wines and spirits. The breadth and depth of their inventory is astounding. Add in an unparalleled level of expertise and customer service, and you could see why other retailers are green with envy. Through their extensive and ever-growing network of relationships from around the world, Grapes the Wine Company offers the opportunity to discover the newest and most exciting wines and revisit the classics from both established and emerging wine regions. Grapes features a selection of over 4,000 wines and spirits. The Wall Street Journal has called Grapes one of the most influential retailers in the U.S., and it rings true to this day. Wine is a joyful thing, and Grapes the Wine Company exists to connect people with the choices bottles. Ordering is super simple using their easy-to-navigate website or go old school and call to speak with one of their wine consultants for an in-depth feedback for your wine and spirits needs. Call them at 914-397-9463. That's 914-397-WINE. Or email your general inquiries to info at grapesthewineco.com. That's info at grapes, T-H-E-W-I-N-E-C-O.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is music producer, fashion designer, foodie, aspiring sommelier, and DJ Skinny Pablo. Uh, based out of Long Beach, California, LBC, Skinny mm-hmm. Pablo was born and raised on the island of Guam. He has recording credits including Lee Scratch Perry, Cypress Hill, and Public Enemy. Uh, Skinny Pablo DJs events such as Riesling Study and started his own party called Riesling and Reggae in Los Angeles. His favorite wine is Moselle Riesling. He loves to read Bukowski and do art in his spare time, which is very few. Welcome, Skinny Pablo. So, man, welcome. Um, Thank you for being here. Um, tell everybody about the wines we're going to be drinking this afternoon. The wines we're drinking right now. Yep. Uh, this afternoon, we got the Stein Ona 
2017er made by Uli Stein, the greatest. And we also got his <laughs> other one. Oh, so the Ona is a unfiltered, um, no sulfites. It's just like it's yeah, you can a tell it's got, it's got a slightly oxidative thing going on, which you would you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it's rem- reminiscent of like a uh, what's that region? Oh, can't think of it, but like a Vinjon. But yeah, little oxidative. Vin-Jean. Yes, but um. Nice golden color. And what's the other bottle? We got the Stein Alpha Hölle, which means hell in German. Uh, and that comes from a vine that's, I think it's like 120 years old. Wow. With these little tiny grapes on it. And um, yeah, so the hill is called hell because it's basically vertical. And Uli Stein's got a, and it's an ungrafted vine. So he's got to climb up this cliffside basically and pick grapes that are so small for so we can uh, we can enjoy it on the Black Wine Guy podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, man, um, I'm excited you're here. Um, like uh, I said in the intro, uh, I met Skinny Pablo through Riesling Study, um, and a guest last year was uh, Robert Dentis, a.k.a. Soil Pimp. Shout out to Soil Pimp. Robert, and shout out to Renee. Robert and Renee, amazing couple that put on these, the most inclusive wine events in the world bottom line boom i i just as like an event of any kind of you know I, i've seen a lot of parties but that party is it's the best party in the world like to me it's just a it's like entering you were there in chicago i wasn't in chicago i, oh. was, in, I was in philly the last time oh yeah the, the okay. philly one was Dope. The Philly, oh yeah, so Philly, all of them, like, it's like going into a portal yep. of just, like, beauty, dude. It's, uh, if it feels so crazy to just walk in a room and you see, like, hundreds of humans, just, like, hundreds of bottles and everybody's just pouring each other up, having a good time, and there's music playing, like, crazy music, yep. jazz, yep. I'm DJing my right. beats, which is... I don't know. It, it's such a fun time, man. And it's Riesling, too, which is crazy. Apparently, in the wine world, I guess, like... Yeah, it's like... I mean, yeah. I mean, there's nothing very niche. like it. it. It's very niche. But, like, I I told Renee at the la- at the Philly one, because we, we just did one a couple weeks that ago. The Philly one. But that Philly one, it was so, so, it was so live. Like, so people great. came... You came from L.A. People came from Chicago. People oh, came man. from all over the country, you know? And... Um, they know. And I told her, I was like, you know, this reminded me... Of uh, like uh, late mid nineties clubs, you know, like if you were there, wow. you were cool. You were just cool. Like it wasn't, there was no, it was no, there was no like, oh, we need to be inclusive. Like it is, it just was inclusive. Everybody fucking comes, they have a fucking good time. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just like. So I agree. I mean, and you know, we're gonna get into your story. Late mid nineties club. Yeah, like a New York City club. Like if you went, if you went to Nell's in the nineties, man. Like it was everybody was there. It was like Nell's. Nell's. How do you spell that? N e l l apostrophe s. Remember Nels? Oh, okay. Or were you down in D.C.? Oh, yeah, Nels. Yeah, shout out y'all know y'all y'all who know around y'all know about Nels for sure. Wow, okay. Um, but it was just it was just it was just it was the in crowd and but it's this is the Riesling crowd and it just is beautiful thing like you said. So um, and I was I was gonna say like would you consider yourself the uh, official? Unofficial DJ of Riesling Study or the unofficial official DJ of Riesling Study? I'd say I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I just show up and Skinny Pablo here to lay down some records. But I've DJed, I think I've DJed a majority of them. You have. I mean, it's, and, 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 uh, you know, Robert always, it's a bit, it was like, 
the the real trick is getting Skinny Pablo on the plane, making sure his ass gets over here from L.A. Sometimes. Yeah, we're. <laughs> I mean, I've never missed a flight except for you know the one leaving the Riesling study is the flight I missed one time. I I thought I woke up one morning, it's like your flight left. I was like, fuck, I thought it was in like three hours or something, but it's all right. You know, it happens. I blame the cannabis. There you uh, go. You know, so, I mean, no, I don't blame that. Yeah. I can't. I can't blame anything, but you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you have to book another flight. Sometimes and... you miss a flight. Um, all right, man. So let's go back to the beginning. Guam. Oh, Guam. yeah. We're the beginning, beginning. Speaking of flights, yeah. it's like 13, 15 hours from here. Yeah. From from New York or from L- – how far is it from L.A.? From L.A., it's like 13, 15 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. From here, I have no – I haven't even checked yet, but, yeah. you know. Um, so tell people – um, I know very little about, about Guam. I might have seen something in a World War II movie. Tell people where it's located, kind of like uh, what the indigenous population is uh, consists of. Because uh, yeah, tell people about okay. it. Okay, I it's probably better if I pull up like Google. But Guam, <laughs> I, I was born and raised there. All I know, it's like growing up on vacation. Uh, you grow up in vacation, and you just. I don't know, you just have this vacation mentality for the rest of your life, I think. Very slow. I mean, that's just me, though. Like, no, I mean, I mean, no, I, I wish I should have my phone, but like, so is it near like a, oh, okay. American yeah, Samoa? Bad. No, that's okay. Like, like, no, and, it's in it's, relationship to like Japan, Australia. Like, all right. Like, where is it? In, in, so, it's in the Pacific. It's right? in the South Pacific okay. in the in the Micronesian Islands, uh, the Marianas Island chain, which okay. is like right along the, uh, it's the deepest part of the globe, the Marianas Trench. So it's like the deepest part of the ocean where you like you look at this ocean all the time. It's super dark blue. It's beautiful. But um, yeah, Guam's located over there and it's part of this island chain called the Marianas Islands, which are like some really small islands. But the population is like 150,000. Mm. And that's everybody that's on the island. Then you got the indigenous, the natives like myself were called Chamorro. Okay. Uh, the native Chamorros, there's probably like, about like a hundred thousand of us in the globe. Like oh, a shit. lot of the a lot of them are in um California. Or Hawaii maybe? Not no? really not really Hawaii. Like a lot of them just live on the west coast. Okay. You know, it's like there's people in Oregon, Seattle and oh. California and yeah, probably, you know, Hawaii. We're all spread out, but then you got on Guam the population is probably like half Chamorro and the rest is all kinds of people from like Asia, from out here, there's military so it's like a real blending pot of all kinds of cultures, basically. And that's where, you, you know, um, the food over there is pretty cool. It's it's, it's very pure, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty interesting. Whereas out here, it's like crazy, like mixed, all that. But, you know, it's very traditional food. So <clears throat> there's like only 100,000 of, of of your people. Like, and yeah. that, that's um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, we're very rare. It's very rare that I meet someone else that's Chamorro, like ever. Like I never see them in public. You don't see it. Like you don't see anybody. Yeah. Like me, but you know, I'm kind of ambiguous in the way. Well, you I are. Look. I know. Like, but like, when no, you hear Pablo, you think. Yeah. And you and hear LBC is like, oh, he's 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 mm-hmm. Mexican American, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That. Nobody knows. I mean, like I get people speaking all kinds of languages <laughs> to me, so I'm like, all right, let me go and Duolingo and start learning all the languages. You know, like. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, maybe going to South America would be fun. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know, it'll fit in or whatever. I don't know. So let's talk about. You I'm said, not about fitting in, though. No, you're definitely not, and that's what's that's what's dope about you. What? Um, so you said the food is pure. So like, what was like kind of like? Because you're we're gonna get to like where you are at food now, but like obviously it's an island nation, so I would assume fresh seafood has got to be a staple. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Fresh tuna, like just beautiful fish all the time. Sushi, um, you know, got a bunch of Japanese restaurants. Uh, ja the Japanese were like the biggest uh, population of tourists. So we would have tourists come over. So it's just like a place to just come eat and drink and party, basically. And that's, uh, I don't know, it's very reflective in my lifestyle right now. We I, got, I love throwing parties. Like that's all we did growing up on the island was like, you throw, you know, you go to like three parties in a day with it, and there's everybody there. It's like the kids, the grandma, like everybody's at the party, everybody's having a good time. There's people, you know, you got the uncles and the cousins smoking weed all the way over there. You got everybody <laughs> drinking, like, and there's just tons of food, like, all the time. That's the local, the Chamorro culture of yeah. like doing like fiestas and stuff like that. But then you get all the like, the tourist stuff, which is like the, for the Japanese. So we had tons of Japanese food, like great Japanese food. Very pure. Did you guys ever do um and uh, and I don't want to sound weird, but like uh like a whole pig roast or a hog roast or a boar roast that was I've, that was there I've any... seen I've seen whole pigs before. Right. That's always the, yeah. That's that's like, common at the parties. Right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, lots of meats like barbecued meats. Um, we have a special sauce that I've I fucking love. It's called finadeni. Finadeni. And it's finadeni is um. Okay, I'll give you guys the recipe right now, but you gotta you gotta maybe experiment yourself because everybody's finadeni is different. It's all ratios, but it's yeah. it's soy sauce, an acidic. Like usually, I love lemon. Okay, some people use vinegar, but lemon. Then um, we got this thing called duni, which is basically what's very similar to it's a hot pepper like like a thai chili pepper okay it's called dunny and you you blend it up with like garlic or something you make yeah, that's what it's called like the paste and then you throw that in and it adds like this crazy spice to everything then you can throw in some onions whatever that's it that's about it but the sauce we put it on like everything like every kind of meat you could put it on and it i swear it goes great with riesling because acidity you know yeah like, it makes anything go great with riesling but you put it on chicken you put it on rice man like there's some great dishes that are from that island that i don't even really make but you know i grew up in the kitchen doing all kinds of stuff and i translate it into my own how i how i feel like what what i should be eating you know i mostly eat plant-based yeah. at home yeah. so i kind of use like similar techniques especially from that sauce you know i'll do like i'll reverse engineer it and make it with different things to make it more like it's like oh modern like fusion whatever it's like oh i could sell this to someone in california for like 17 bucks and, and yet another job for skinny Pop. <laughs> exactly yeah so i yeah i create i create jobs you create stuff. Yeah. i create jobs for myself <laughs> i want to create jobs for other people yeah. you know but you know, right now it's yeah, just uh, always, always expanding the knowledge on whatever it is. You know, it takes years to become comfortable, like doing stuff, like you know, understanding wines or making food or even making like making clothes and understanding how or even business. You know, like how all that stuff works. Oh, without so a like, doubt, without yeah. a doubt. What other um, <clears throat> were there any other interesting or fun traditions? Uh, I love like, your your philosophy, like you know, 
how you like, I kind of live this party life because, but, um, uh, any customs traditions that your family, uh, would do? <clears throat> oh man. Mostly just partying, man. Like, <laughs> just throw parties. I remember, like, gr- growing up when your family's always partying is like, I don't know, it's it's pretty it's, crazy. It's e- nothing like e- even at school. My Jehovah Witness growing up as <laughs> even even at school. You grew up Jehovah's Witness. That's cool. I have some friends on Guam that are Jehovah's Witness. They're everywhere. Yeah, um, but we, um, yeah, man, just party all the time. I remember. I mean, since this is a drinking show. One of my first instances with like alcohol, which I, uh, alcoholic beverage is Guinness. It was my grandfather, rest in peace, it was my grandfather's like 80th birthday or something. Wow. Or maybe 75th birthday. I'm trying to think. No, yeah, it was like his 80th birthday and we had, um, was it 80th? Fuck, man, I can't remember. It was one of his birthdays, and we had a crazy party. Like, they brought his, he's from Ireland, and his favorite beer was Guinness. So, like, they had like a thousand bottles of Guinness at this party, and I was in high school, like, not allowed to drink at the party. But then afterwards, like, me and my friends just, like, took, like, all the leftover, like, like, maybe like 150 bottles of Guinness and brought it to the beach for, like, five kids. <laughs> like, it's like five of us and, like, and, like, a ton of Guinness, man. It's like, this. That did not end well. No, it didn't. Well, you give a bunch of kids some get or you know some Guinness. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's some. Yeah, we, we skipped school and it was like it's not <laughs> it's not fun. Like after we all got caught, but whatever, you know. Yeah, just growing up partying all the time. Okay, it's it was uh you you learn uh you learn a lot about you don't really think about it at the time, but you know you learn about a lot about uh generosity and mm. you know bringing people together and um just knowing how to enjoy life with with other humans you know and we're all just coming together mostly because we're like all related or whatever it'd be like family parties but then you know bring all the friends and friends friends and like my uncle my dad's brother throws a crazy party over there kind of similar to Riesling study I mean it's like not wine or anything but he'll bring all the local bands out he'll he'll line up a feast We'll have kegs. We'll have all kinds of stuff. Like the pig will be out at his law office, and like they'll just have at like, his law office. At his law office, and they'll just have a fucking party all day, man. Like on, usually on Christmas, they'll just have a party like all fucking day. That's a law firm I could have worked for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that it, it's a pretty fun law firm. So. Uh, sounds like it. Um. <clears throat> And excuse me, everybody. I just got back from Hospice to Rome. I've done so much talking over the past week. Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I, I, I got it. I'm gonna your throat yeah, with some riesling. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I'm gonna have to start getting a um, a protocol like tea and all that shit. Some honey. Um, yeah, but um, you know, Bob Marley did. Uh, Lee Scratch Perry told him to uh, drink. Honey and li- and lime juice, I think, or honey and lemon. He told me to drink lime juice and water. Okay, but lemon and honey was Bob Bob Marley. He would use that for his voice because sometimes his voice would get you know worn out. From yeah, all the recording. It just it's it worn out. Um, which I never thought I could do, but like we're we're next leveling this shit. So yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so. You said you grew up in Guam. Like, how old were you when you moved to the States? I was probably like 
1920. Okay, so we're going to pause there. So that's different. So I want to go back. So it seems as if how would um, how would um, Skinny Pablo's mom describe him as a child? Introverted, extroverted. Oh man, my mom. Little didn't, ruffian. My mom did not understand me at all when I was a kid. I was very. Um, I don't know. I was just a very like immediately like a dark artist, <laughs> like like drawing skulls, drawing this. I remember one time when I was like five, like I just. Uh, you know, the kindergarten, and I I was caught just doing graffiti like all over the school, <laughs> like drawing with a crayon. And my mom comes to pick me up, and there I am like scrubbing it off. You know, it's just like stuff like that. Just being a crazy art little artist kid, and I was just always uh, rebellious, man. Like my whole my whole existence mm-hmm. has always been like, you know, I'm just doing what. Oh, this is. You know, I uh, existing is very strange, and sometimes you just do things, and it's like, what? Like other people are like, why the fuck is he doing that? Like, <laughs> like why would you skip school and you and all your friends like bring a bunch of beer with you, like thousand bottles of Guinness, and like, or you know, it, it was, that one's I, quite obvious. I, I mean, maybe yeah, not, maybe, maybe not on Guam, yeah, maybe not Guam, but here, yeah. Um, I love that. So you said. Why did you move to the States? Now, did you come with your family or you come all alone? Um, I originally, like, so, you know, the crazy party life, I was like, I got to get out of this. So I ran away. I ran away from home and la- lived with a girlfriend in Salt Lake City. My girlfriend at the time in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, okay. I <laughs> wait, escaped. Wait, wait, so this is, I was going to say, so you, he wanted to escape partying on Guam. So he comes to the United States. But when he, then he said Salt Lake City. Maybe not just partying, but you know, it's like, you got to get out. Cause it's like, it's very small, dude. It's like a small town vibe. It's like, you know, I, and my family would come out to LA like every once in a while for like vacation and. You know, I had friends that all went off to school and I was still stuck on the island. I was like, I gotta get I gotta get out of here. Like, you know, go do something with myself. Otherwise I'm just gonna be here the whole time just being on an island, like get I'm just partying, you know, like I gotta accomplish something. You gotta make something yourself. <laughs> like partying is fun, but you gotta party and do things and I felt Los Angeles and you know, well my you know, I first landed in Salt Lake City where I you know, was a musician playing with, uh, I played with this hippie band, like a hippie rock band, you know, um, living on my girlfriend's bed at the time. And eventually we moved out to Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. And I came out for school. You okay. Know? All right. So I'm going to ask you some, uh, follow-up questions and I, the title show, it's uh skinny Pablo knows how to party with the purpose, right? Cause now he's, you got, he's making something of his life by partying, right? Yeah. Something like that. Um, how does, um, and what remind me of, uh, the indi- name of your indigenous people? Chamorro. How does a Chamorro meet, um, a young lady from Salt Lake City, Utah? Oh no, she, she was from Guam too. So like ah, I knew her from Guam okay. and she went, she went out there for school, for college. Okay. So I was just kind of like, hey, babe, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to come uh, out there and run away and like live on your bed. Is that cool? I was like, yeah, sure. All right. Then like, I, then, I, <laughs> then I went there and I was just like, I don't know. I, you know, when I started making beat, actually rewind. Like I, re, before Salt Lake City, I lived in LA for like a year, maybe. Okay. How'd you land in LA? Just because you, you said. You... LA, I wanted to go to film school. Okay. So like cool. I went out there. And film school was like, 
I'm like, dude, I'm not an athlete. Like, fuck is this? This is a, film school is so competitive to get into. It's like impossible to get into. Like, if you're some kid that's like, I just want to make movies and shit. Like, you're not gonna get into fucking film school, yeah. dude. Like, there's kids out there that have been like doing this and have connects. And, and like, like, like Steven Spielberg's kids have, you know, have a tough time getting. It's it's competitive. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, I'm I mean, like, it's like, I mean, you're dealing with everybody who's already a director or producer's kid, especially in wanting, L.A. Especially in L.A. I didn't know all that. I was no, just I mean, like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, it, he's go. like, I'll go to L.A. I'll go to film school. Yeah, which, yeah. Which objectively is a smart move, but like, yeah. And then uh, I had a friend whose son got in, and then a lot of them don't finish. You just, it's just getting in. Mm-hmm. You get into USC, you go for one year. During the summer, you work on somebody's film, and then you know, and a lot of kids don't even grab it. But it, it's just like, if you getting in is means you're gonna make it in the film business, almost. Yeah, just having just having that one in, and yep. like I know people that just moved to L.A. and they help some lady with her groceries or something. And she's like, oh, I'm a producer for a, you know, for a big company. Why don't you come over and you know, you know help intern. me with groceries over there? And then you, you PA, and the next thing you know, yeah. you got a production credit, and then well, next thing you know, like I have a friend that that's what happened to him, and now he's like the head of like lighting department, like telling people what to do. And right, it's like then you become that douche, like yeah. I said oat milk, motherfucker. Yeah, right. <laughs> said oat milk and my matcha. Exactly. exactly. What is this? It. Soy. I'm allergic to soy. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Los Angeles is crazy, dude. Like, I, I don't know. I, it's fun being in New York because it's such a different vibe. Because out there, you you definitely have that Hollywood shit, which is like so weird. I mean, even to this day, even though I'm in it like all the time, it's just like, it's like, fuck, do these people think they are? Like, I don't know, but. But so you were out in no, LA for no, it's it's dope. So you were, you went out LA, you figured out that 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 getting into film school was going to be a much uh, more rigorous. Yeah. So I I don't know. It was it all felt kind of hopeless. I mean, when you're a kid, you know, it's like it's like what the fuck am I going to do? So a lot of time I just like skipped class and stayed home and made beats and smoked weed. I was just like, <laughs> like they got legal weed out here. I love weed. I was like, I love weed. Like I, I love weed so much. Like when I was a kid, like that was like a big part of my childhood. Like, Even till now, like, do they grow? Obviously they grow, but you yeah. must have some interesting strains on an Island out it's, in the middle of nowhere. It's, all, it's always like, I mean, now they're legalized, but like they, at the time, you know, you had the, you had the indoor stuff, which is like the chronic. Yeah. Then you had, the regular stuff should be called, you know, homegrown, which is homies. And be like, yeah, homies, you get the chronic. And then maybe if they had the chronic, they'd have a strain. But this is kind of like laid the foundation of taste for me. It's like, oh, mm. uh, you know, this weed's good. You know, this, this. And that's how, like, you know, eventually led to, you know, years and years down the line. I'm like, oh, I got, it felt natural to get into wine because cannabis is something that, you know, eventually you, you understand the taste of it and how it affects you and, you work your way up, and that's what I did when I got to Los Angeles. You know, the second time around, I just worked my way up in that world uh, in podcasting, working for Be Real from Cypress Hill, who smokes the best weed in the world, like hands down. I don't doubt that. We're going to unpack it later. I don't doubt that. Um, so, so many interests, but there is an intersection like of, of uh, music, food, fashion, and wine in your life. What was like your first interest growing up? Was it being in the kitchen um, with your, your 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 mom cooking? Was that like your first, or would you always love music? Was was there music in your house growing up? Music in my house growing up was always like I don't know my my dad would listen. He was like a huge Beatles fan, mm-hmm. so like Beatles and 
I think like Chicago and Journey <laughs> and stuff like that, that my mom would listen to like a lot of classical music and like Nat King Cole. So you had that said like my, my mom's family, like they all, li- they all listen to like Nat King Cole and stuff like that. You know, fairly like safe, like boring stuff, you know? I mean, it's cool. I love that music. It's like not boring, but for a kid, like, you know, when I was growing up, um, the music that I really liked was when I first started getting into music, it was introduced from Chappelle show. Okay. I would watch Chappelle show and I'd be like, Oh shit. Like he's, you know, little John on the East side boys. Like, what's that? That was like my first like music, like get it really getting to when I was like 12 or 13. That's like, interesting. That you're that you, cause I'm so much older, but like you're, you made a good point. Um, Arsenio Hall, you can look at it. He was yeah. the guy who used to break, like he put like hip hop artists on, and he put a lot of people on, and Chappelle did like uh, most Stephen Kwali, yeah. Kanye, like early did, on. Did Arsenio yeah. have Gangstar on? I don't think he ever had Gangstar or on. Or Beastie Boys? I think he had. He probably had the Beastie Boys. I'm, he probably did. But I mean, I, I mean, oh man, we got to talk. I mean, you're a DJ, man. How fucking sick is Primo? DJ Premier? <laughs> He's great. I don't know, man. I I listened to uh, before flying out here like a few months ago. I listened to man. I can't even remember the name of the record. I'm so bad with names of records, but Gangstar, the one with uh, Guru. And he's talking about moving to Brooklyn. I listened to that song like or the the Planet. That's the name of the track. But yeah, DJ Premier is uh, he's he's got an undeniable sound that's what i like about it it sounds like him like when you hear his beats right you know like, a primo oh, beat yeah you know like, oh, you know it sounds like, like it's primo yeah it sounds like dj premier yeah um so you, you come up listening to nat king cole a massive nat king cole journey the beatles um <clears throat> and yet like well I, I, and then, like you said earlier, when you like you came out, you're like this dark child. You're making skulls, like, yeah, yeah. And your beats are very industrial. They're they're dark. They're yeah. they they lean dark. I mean, they're not. You know, they just Pretty have a heavy sound to them. That, yeah, and that was like definitely from the influence of, you know, like high school years. Like when I when I would start smoking weed. Like I started smoking weed. I remember right back to you said, I love weed. I love weed. No, but like. <laughs> Um, you know, I could definitely do that. You know, I got no attachments, but cannabis had done a lot for my life very strangely. Like, so, you know, I, I remember when I was 15, 16, maybe, and we were about to watch a movie and me and my friends were smoking a joint and somebody puts on some Cypress Hill and I was just like, what the fuck are we listening to, dude? This is the coolest shit I've ever heard. It was Be Real and he's singing, I want to get high. He's like, I want to get high. So, so high. high. And I was just like, dude, this is the coolest song I've ever heard <laughs> about getting high. Like, because before, like, before that song, like, Smoking Weed is like, oh, man, you know, like, we're kind of shade, like, whatever. But then you hear somebody singing about it. I was like, this is the coolest. This makes weed smoking cool. Like, fuck, I feel so comfortable. Then eventually went on and worked with Be Real. I know. For, like, gonna, that's kind of crazy that you're sitting there and, like, you're getting high to Be Real with his nasally... The, I want to get high. Then 10 years and you're later. Like, and you're like, I want to get high with that guy. And you have. That's what's fucking Yeah, the 10 crazy. years later, I got high with him for like seven years, dude. <laughs> like seven years straight. Like getting high every single moment. Anytime you're around, be real. And if you smoke weed, you're getting high. Like that's just what. You're smoking really, really like. That guy has people bringing him weed like all the time. Like it's the king of weed. Like he's got people. B- 
I mean, there's only so many. There's like Tommy Chong, like him, you know, you, you get some other guys, but he's like really deep in the connoisseur level yeah. grade I mean, stuff. Oh, this one's got. For, for the record, I didn't smoke before I came in here, people, just so you know. Because yeah. I could never do this banged up like that. Really? But I, uh, really, I couldn't. Not, not, I mean, I might do some lost episodes like that at one point. Yeah, yeah. But, but, um, but I thought also the timing, like I did stay up late last night doing my research, um, watching the, um, Cypress Hill documentary that's on Showtime. Oh, fuck, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, but you, but you've lived it. So, um, so, yeah. um, you know what? Because um, we're just probably going to go off on a tangent from here on out. And like, I probably said space this out, but before I forget, what do you we're, we're going to take a quick break so we can insert the sponsor uh, and we'll be right back. All right. Are you ready for another great distributor to look for when shopping for fine wines and spirits? Let me tell you about Independence Wine and Spirits or IWS. IWS is one of the hot up-and-coming distributors of fine wines and spirits headquartered in New York City. Like Taub Family Selections, IWS is owned by the Taub family who have re-entered the New York wholesale market, bringing the family back to its roots in distribution where they held court from 1951 through 2004. IWS is proud to represent an exceptional portfolio of high-quality, terroir-centric, and historic producers from around the world, including Italy and France where they have an exciting roster of burgeoning Vinrones from Burgundy that are coming your way soon. They also have domestic producers such as La Coya, Cardinale, Staglin, El Molino, and many more. To learn more about IWS, go to independencewine.com. Hey, are you looking to order that special bottle you had on vacation? Uh, do you need to find a bourbon your boss has never tried? How about wrapped bottle gifts for teachers, coaches, or your sales force? Grapes the Wine Company can provide all this and more. They do Zoom tastings, winemaker dinners, wine-driven charity events, seller consultations, and stellar suggestions. They do it all. Did we mention Burgundy? If you left your heart and bone, there's no better stateside destination to shop for red and white Burgundy. Not to mention the great wines of France, Italy, Germany, the U.S., and Spain. That's grapesthewineco.com. Okay, we're back. So <clears throat> we're about to start riffing on music and 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 more with skinny pablo um so when did you make like your first official track no let me back up when did you make your first track and then tell me about your first official track because it sounds like you you loved sound and creating things Man. your whole life here well, i started off as a drummer okay. so on the island of guam i mean my first official track I mean, official recording. I took. I used to take videos of myself drumming like all the time, just so I could watch it back. But I guess that might be the for if those videos are anywhere. Like, mom, you know, I'll make it worth uh, some money someday. But he's um, like, gotta buy his IP back from his mom. Yeah, <laughs> but um, she's like, that's my IP. Yeah, she's like, this is my fucking little Sony camcorder tape. But uh, I remember just like my my friends would come over to my house and one of them had GarageBand on his computer. Okay. And this is like probably like 2008, 2000, maybe 2007, you know, high school friends is over. Then I made a, I made a track and it was, it was probably really whack. I can't really remember, but did that. Then I really started making beats when I moved to L.A., the first time around okay. to go to film school because mm -hmm. I'd skip class and just like make beats. Right. And 
I don't know, man. The way I got into beats is kind of like, it's kind of fucked up because I was like a really bad kid at the time, you know, like, you know, like mischievous, like I I used to like steal things and like be fucked up, like be like not a cool person. You know, like I look at myself like, man, what the fuck were you doing? Like, but you know, when I first got to LA, I attended this, this film camp at UCLA where I got kicked out. <laughs> Should I explain? Yeah, please. Okay, so yeah. I so I got kicked out. All right, so you know I get there. It, it's a it's like a film camp at UCLA where they put you in dorms, like you're actually attending UCLA film school. And the kids I was in the dorms with, there was like this one neurotic kid that was like his he the, he's like seventeen, sixteen, and he's got like all these medications on him, right? And there's another kid. Welcome to America. Yeah, right. I was like, okay. You know, I was a little stoner kid at the time, and he explained to me, he's like, yeah, this is this is uh, Ambien. And my mom said that if you take it and you don't fall asleep, you'll go crazy. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. Like, let me go crazy, dude. So, like... <laughs> oh, man, it's such a, so bad. But I, I like talking about this because there's some redemption in the story. But anyways, totally. like... So I I steal his kids' pills. I look it up on his laptop. He goes out to party, whatever, with the other kids in the dorm. I go on his laptop, like, and start looking up, start looking up like dosages. Like, how much am I supposed to take? And I wound up taking his pit. Like me and the other kid that were in the room. Like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna take two of these things. And their kid was like, yeah, I'll take two too. I was like, all right, let's take these. And I just remember. Or first off, I was like, how the fuck is this shit legal? Because I was, like, spacing <laughs> out. Like, it was crazier than any, like, mushroom uh, dosage or LSD trip ever. Like, I mean, so everything was crazy. And the other kid that took it, he wound up, like, flipping out and, like, ratting. He'd be like, he, he, Skinny Pop was the one. He fucking told me to take the pills. Hacked your computer. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, dude, I, he gave it up. We, we were all asleep. And the next thing I know, like, I wake up and, like, the mat, like, this dude was staying on the mattress above me and his mattress all flipped over and he's in the room, like, freaking out on Ambien. And I was like, oh man, he's having an adverse reaction or whatever. But yeah, he told counselors and they sent us to the hospital. And I was, I don't know. It was, I was so out of it, like, from taking that stuff. It was crazy. I was like, I would never take that stuff ever again in my life. Like, that that stuff is, like, um, it's scary, you know? But, so, that happened, got kicked out, and on the way of getting kicked out, <laughs> they made me wait in a room with a bunch of suitcases. So, I, I was just like, well, fuck, they're kicking me out. I'm gonna go through the suitcase right now. <laughs> and I wound, it was like the cheerleader camp suitcases. So, like, the first thing I pull out was an iPhone, right? I pull out this fucking iPhone. And I'm like, this is mine now. <laughs> then I go back. They sent us back to the dorms. I'm like, all right, I need a charger for the iPhone. <laughs> there was some kid flashing off his iPhone 4. I took his charger. Just snatched it. Just to, just Give to, me that nerd. <laughs> no, he he was at camp. And I took it out of his drawer. Like, like fucking I did that. And then I wind up getting kicked out, sent back to my uncle's house. In Palos Verdes, and like I'm at my uncle's pad, and I have this phone, and I was like, "Hey, man, you got like?" He's like, "Oh, you're back so early." I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so I'm like, "He knew I got kicked out." I was like, "Hey, can I borrow some headphones?" Like, I got this iPhone, and the you know, I unlocked the iPhone. So I don't know how it wasn't locked, but I unlocked the iPhone, and I started 
looking through the music and you know i was really big in hip-hop and all that mm-hmm, shit mm-hmm. and i saw on the iphone that there was some wu-tang clan on there i was like fuck i love wu-tang everything else on the iphone was whack it was just like <laughs> i don't know what it was but they had wu-tang clan on there and with the wu-tang clan they had uh some collaborations with this dude mf doom and i saw mf doom i was listening to the beats and I was like, man, these are fucking dope beats. Like, what is this? What are these sounds? Like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, I went on the road for a little bit. I had to go, you know, my uncle was like, hey, you got to just, I don't know, just go do something for like two weeks. Go hang with your friends up in San Jose. So, I went to San Jose, listen to all these beats, listen to this phone. I eventually like, I don't know, gave it to my friend in exchange for like beer or something, <laughs> you know, being underage. I don't know, whatever. But I listened to that music and I made sure to take note of it. I was like, who's MF Doom? Like, mm-hmm. why has he got these cool beats? And MF Doom did a project with, uh, did a project with Mad Lib called Mad Villainy. And that's like their greatest, like, that's like one of the greatest, like. That could be uh, one of the greatest. That's definitely it, top it's, five it's their, albums of all it's time. It's their, like, most notable work that yeah. everybody's just like, wow, like, what is this? It's a great piece of art. So I found that. Yeah. Then I started diving into, um, well, it was a MF Doom J Dilla song, so I found out about both those guys, and I think I started diving into I started diving in Doom, and I found out J Dilla also did a, Ma- a Mad Lib collaboration, and this is a couple years after J Dilla passed, so I found out you know about his music, and it and I just listened to it all day and be like, dude, these are like the coolest beats ever. Before that, I was really into reggae, like before leaving the island, super mm-hmm. into Jamaican reggae. But so I listened to my Jamaican reggae, like Lee Perry, Trojan music, and uh, yeah, Jay Dilla and Mad Lib and Cypress Hill at the time. And like, that's all I was listening to when I got back to LA and I'd skip class and just like make beats. I figure out, I figured out that they were sampling music. I had no idea. Like, like, it was like, how do you make your music sound like that? It's like, oh. They sample, they take a song and they cut it up and they make it into another beat. Like they make it into new music. And the record label that came out on was called Stone's Throw and those guys had beat battles. So they- Stone's Throw, shout out to Peanut Butter Wolf. Yep, they had a message board which is no longer around and they had this message board where they post a song and they'd be like, here, uh, take the song, sample it, whoever samples it the best. Like we, everybody who makes the beat flips it we all get to vote like democratically like what we vote for who we think is the best whoever gets the most votes gets to pick the next sample for everybody to flip into something dope and i eventually won like a couple of them oh sure from making beats on there and i you know made friends on there that message board and like that got me really into making beats and like figuring out like what engineering is and audio engineering and eventually like you know i was like you know uh, dropped out of film school eventually and I was like oh what's all this audio stuff like let me learn that and started learning audio and mixing and music and eventually got you know years and years down the line I got a degree for music production from Berkeley College of Music which is like I mean it's probably one of the top music schools yeah. in, the, in the world I think uh, so. for sure a couple of things man for those who don't know I mean just Google Stones Throw Records is like a vanguard defender of uh, mm-hmm. of of hip hop, not rap. There's a difference between rap and hip hop, but mm. like just crazy. And then um, the, everybody you name, like Mad Lib, Jay Dilla. I mean, there's a certain number of listeners who are familiar, but I, you know most. 
you know, don't, don't know. Like, and for me as an East coast guy, like those cats were like down in Oxnard. I was, I was living out there that time. They were down oh, in really? Oxnard. Yeah. They were yeah, down in yeah. Oxnard. Just Oxnard just, and Detroit. Yeah, and, and it came over you know, Detroit and, you know, um, there's a great De La Soul track called My Rights with De La collab with a exhibit and the licks. And they say, uh, and Jay Dilla did a beat and like, you know, smuggling these beats from SC, you know, and uh, so, yeah, Stone Soul is dope. Now, <clears throat> you said you were into, uh, oh, I want to, and Berkeley. So, what, how'd you do Berkeley? Was that, did you, I did, tour, or did you do remote or? I, I did that all online. Okay, I was like yeah, probably yeah. one of their first online graduate, graduating classes. And I did that while I was working for Be Real, like getting high every single day. I go home work on uh you know work on school and make beats yeah. and some you know started a dj but so yeah you're working on a career in music yeah and um land recording credits with like lee scratch perry which is probably later because i know he just passed and i need some uh public enemy and then cypress hill how did you connect with be real and and from cypress hill that was uh just through the chat room like really internet chat room yeah shut the fuck yeah, be, up yeah wow because well he had a network at the time and he had a bunch of other shows that were recording at like like this like right. recording out of a studio but it was live like okay. all live chat rooms yep. so you'd be talking and like there was this one show over there where I was like, hey, you guys need an intern. This is when I was in Salt Lake City. I was like, you guys need like an intern or photographer? Cause I was... I, I'm trying to figure out the timeline with this guy. But anyway. Yeah. It's a, it's, we're, we're, going, we're going Tarantino we're, mode we're, yeah, right we, now. Yeah, we are totally. This is like memento. We're working backwards. Yeah, flashing yeah. back. Working backwards. Keep up, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yes. Keep, keep up. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, you, so they had it through a chat room. They were doing it. Yeah. They had a chat room and I'd just be in there talking shit all day, like, with the other chatters and, like, making friends in there. And, um, yeah, eventually I was like, hey, you guys need a photographer or something? Like, yeah, just uh, give us a call and this and that. So, the, the show that was there called Heavyweights Radio, I, I um... Yeah, eventually when my girlfriend was like, oh, I'm going to move out to California, you know, move to Los Angeles, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, I'll follow you. Then just start interning for that show. Then eventually they're like, oh, you know how to like engineer and run Pro Tools and all that? I want you to do it for Be Real show. So I started doing it for Be Real show because his studio. And yeah, man, then after that, I just kept building up more responsibilities for the studio until I was basically just fucking doing everything like did everything in the studio anything that studio work lighting camera audio like i did it and you know i was there for seven years until i was, felt like i was like all right i basically like reached the peak here you got a good stat like you're gonna you guys are good i gotta go like run a business now so let's talk about those seven years so you said like because <clears throat> i just watched the, the documentary on cypress hill yeah um and you said something earlier about how, like, he made it, and not even so much cool as, I think, made it okay. Kind of, he, he was yeah. really big on normalizing. Yeah, normalizing, um, legalizing. And, 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 and um, on one level, they paid a price because, you know, I remember when they went on Saturday Night Live and they were like, you cannot, yeah. like, you cannot smoke marijuana in here. <laughs> well, that, was, that was DJ Muggs who <laughs> yeah. just, like, said, fuck all yeah, this. Like, exactly. I'm going to smoke weed. Yeah, and they were like. Get banned. Yeah, and, um. And of course, they they the, during the song, the song was we ain't going out like that. <laughs> they were going out like that. <laughs> well, the, 
you know, apparently in the story, like that I've heard from B reels. Yeah, they, so that's they, what I want. Tell us the story because you've been with him for that. Well, I've heard it a few times, and he's like, "Yeah, we didn't even know like at the time like Mugs was just gonna do that." Like we all kind of like they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna keep chill until the very end." I think they just started playing that song, and like Mugs started smoking weed and like trashing the set, and they were all just like, <laughs> "Eric Bobo's there, like you know, playing the bongos and it's gone." You know, like they didn't like they were kind. Of, it was all kind of. uh it wasn't coordinated as they they liked it to be, but yeah, you know that that was Saturday Night Live history. There's a whole. I'm pretty sure if I went on Saturday Night Live, I get banned. <laughs> Fuck. Keep your suitcases away. But I mean, you know, like no, but that's, um, that's fine. Saturday Night Live is like no. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, but like the documentary was like like literally, yeah. People in hip hop smoked weed and talked about rolling L's and smoking blunts, but like. Like that, they lived it. They walked yeah. the walk. Um, oh yeah. Um, so, what? Like, kind of like you must have. There just must have been icons just coming through the studio, being this podcast. You must have dealt with so many. Just- Dude, I I got to hug Mike Tyson. I got to see Joe Rogan. I got to see like all kind all the hip hop like legends like. It's it's a huge I mean, I mean, list, I mean, dude. I mean, I think like every Snoop must they, Snoop and Be Real must have smoked weed once I'm, before. You know what I've, but I don't know if you saw him. Well, I didn't see Snoop when he came through, but he's been through there, and like you know, it's it's um yeah, it was an amazing time, amazing place. I'd do the audio and make the music for the the, the channel for the smoke box. Like people get in this car and smoke a ton of weed. But dude, and get interviewed. Like, it's like this, but they're in a car and just smoking wait, it out. Wait, wait. So it's like comedians in cars smoking weed. Yeah, with skinny potwards or musicians. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So it'd be musicians, <laughs> wow. actors, like all kinds of people, like you know, and they just be hot boxing this car, but like, <laughs> and they bring extra smokers in there. They bring like two, three smokers in there to smoke in the car while like, you know, the guests is just in there to keep to, the vibe going to get the guests like as fucked up as possible, basically, but. You know, it, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time. It was just, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's still going on. So shout um, out to them for you know paving the way for smoking weed in the car to extreme limits. I've had all kinds of get. Yeah, Mike Tyson. Oh man, so Mike Tyson. It was it was a disaster story when I met him though. Even though I give him a hug, do you, you want to hit? Do yeah, you got time? sure. We got. You know what? We have time. Okay. So, Don't hit me, Mike Tyson. No, Mike Tyson. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. No, I love Mike Tyson. He, I can't wait for him to be on this podcast. I, but, I, listen, I'm feeling that. Good, yeah. good, good shout out. Mike Tyson, Mike, if you're out there, um, I love you. But so this is what happened. Mike Tyson was coming by the studio and, and I was like, yo, we should roll like a giant joint for this shit. <laughs> Bureau's like, yeah, let's do that. And he brought like three, four ounces of weed. <laughs> And like we're like okay, we're gonna roll this thing. It's like before, a, for like, Mike. A, like a Cheech and Chong. Fucking yeah, yeah, we're gonna like roll this thing for Mike. And like the then, size of a fucking baseball bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was like I have a picture with us, but like so we're rolling this. Wait, we didn't even roll the joint. Like Bureau's like okay, here's the weed for the Mike Tyson joint. Like we gotta roll this shit before he comes on Tuesday or whatever it was. Because so, like, it, it was like an industrial, it was like a project. Yeah, yeah. So we cut. So got I got a backhoe. So I'm beep, like, beep. you know, a lot of people at the studio weren't, I don't know, like super experienced rolling big joints, but I had done it like before for my birthday. I'm like, yeah, rolling giant joints. So I'm like, yeah, we got to roll it. Has to be rolled. So I come in and it's all like, I come in the day Mike Tyson's supposed to be there and it's already made. Like the joint is there. I'm like, 
to whoever uh, made it, I was like, yo, did you roll it? He's like, no, I stuffed it. I'm like, dude, it can't be fucking stuffed. It's not going to work. The fucking filter is going to be, it's going to be filled. So, like, we got to re-roll it. So, me and, like, another dude rip off this filter, roll, re-roll the whole joint. But we didn't, like, the glass filter, we didn't check that it was still stuffed. Like, the dude uh. stuffed it, so it's still stuffed, him, but it was wrapped in paper, so we didn't look at it, but we re-rolled the whole thing, like, three ounces, and Mike Tyson gets out of the car after they just got done smoking. We have this huge joint, like, the size of this table, <laughs> or this uh, TV. Monitor, yeah. Yeah, the monitor. And, you know, I bring him the joint, and I give it to Mike, and he pulls out this torch lighter, we're lighting it, and he's going to pull it, and it's, like, not pulling, dude. It's stuck. And we're all just, like, I'm like, fuck, what are we going to do? I'm wearing, like, Hawaiian print shirt. And <laughs> Mike Tyson's there, like, 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 he didn't even say anything. He's just, like, in his head, he's like, huh, it's not working. Motherfuckers don't know like, how to roll a fucking joint. Yeah, he's just like, I guess they don't know how to roll this joint. This is, yeah, so the joint didn't pull, and B-Roll's like, dude, fucking do something. And I was like, oh, shit. Then I just, like, t- ripped out that, that glass tip, which is the whole point, because that's, like, what he makes. So he makes these glass tips for yeah. joints. Rip it out and it's like stuffed. I'm like, fuck, what are we gonna do? But then it started really smoking after that. But by that time, like Mike already like peaced out. <laughs> he's like, I left a pollo loco for everybody. Like he brought chicken for everybody. <laughs> and then uh yeah, so basically like wasted a ton of weed. Like it didn't pull and then um it did make the news in Germany though. Okay. Which is pretty cool. I mean, but they didn't know like that it didn't pull, but it to you know, to other people, it looked like Mike. Oh shit, Mike Tyson smoking a huge joint. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> hey, you could probably look it up on Google or something. Like, but yeah, I rolled that joint that didn't work. It was like the. It was like a great like stoner blunder. Fa- it was like the Titanic. It was of like stoner straight, fails. It was like a yeah. It was like a Cheech and Chong scene. Yeah, like, to, almost. Like, yeah, it did. It, dude, it stopped working. And then Mike was like, "All right, peace out." And then. <laughs> that was it but then i ate the the pollo loco after that and i think it changed me like you know it turned me into a champion like the chicken that he left like no, only two of us ate at the studio we saw it was like yo it's mike tyson's chicken he left it for us the f- the food of champs so yeah man i don't know oh man <clears throat> that's awesome story thanks for sharing it I don't know. yeah it, it happens you know you fail at rolling joints for mike tyson yeah, not many people can say that. So, I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's a handful I'll of people t- in the I'll world. T- I'll take responsibility. Exactly. Man up. Um, so, you mentioned that you you started, like, interning, and then by the end, you were doing just about everything in the studio. You were basically yep. running the whole studio. And then you said that it was time for you to do something next. So, what was next for you? So, next was just focusing on just... And, wh- and re- what year was that, roughly? This was like... This was... Uh, it was like last year, 2020. Okay, so yeah, so during the pandemic, right? That's when you uh, 2021. You started teaching people how to make different beats and sound effects, make beats not war. Talk about oh make, yeah, yeah, so make beats not war. That was a that was a show I did 300 episodes of. Damn. And we did 300 episodes of just like making beats. Yeah, starting to study wine because it started when the pandemic first okay. hit. Because we were all like, well, we're not showing to the studio. We're all going to work from home. So we're working from home. I'm like. I was always making beats at home. I was like, I really want to stream this shit, like show people like what I'm doing and just get a light, nice little crowd. And yeah, we, we did that for 300 episodes, just like live on pretty much every day, like 5.30 in the morning. I get up, just start pumping out beats, like going crazy. That's how we're going to do it. 
make beats not war then um yeah eventually just kept evolving the show but then eventually got burned out man it fucking burned me out like on the creativity level like i i was i i felt like i was like man all right i gave you guys enough i just need to be alone like for a little bit just to compose myself you know because when you're you're constantly in front of a live crowd like you feel like you gotta appease them you know it's like you're the most important person like with when it comes to creativity you know it's what make what makes you on your inside your spirit happy but you know and in turn if that makes other people feel good and that you've you've accomplished something you know but yeah that show was really crazy we we went through few seasons of that where the show would change eventually it got like really ridiculous like you know we have a monkey that pop up on screen and like a toe like the animals and like all kinds of stuff man it was like it even got like really deep like stoic like philosophical at points and you know we would we would uh study wine we'd smoke weed we'd eat mushrooms on the show and make beats and like you know the chat room is always really cool. Some of those people I, you know, I call my friends to this day. Like, uh, you know, it developed basically a cult following. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every once in a while, I'll hop on just to like surprise them and be like, all right, let's do this, you know, when I do have time. But yeah, eventually I just started going really hard into making beats and getting to, you know, accomplish things in the business side of it and making records and just uh, developing all my interests into something that I can make a living off of. And it was, it's just a uh, very interesting, I don't know. It's a very weird way of life where you're like, right, I got to make something, I got to write something, I got to do something. Otherwise, like, you know, I'm not accomplishing what I need to do to, to do that, like pay bills and like right, stuff like right. that. But when you do pay bills off, like your create, what you create it's the most fulfilling Dude, thing this, ever. This podcast is so fulfilling. I'm like, I'm making it work somehow. Yeah, make the podcast work. It's like an own it. Um, yeah. You said start. How did you become to start studying wine? Studying wine. Yeah. Oh man, such a wonderful experience. Um, so I started studying wine because I would, uh, you know, I was really into record collecting, and I go to this place called Rap Cats. Which, you know, tying back to Mad Lib, uh, his partner, uh, Egon. Egon, was, uh, you know, they were doing pop-ups at the shop. So, you know that when you go there, it's all curated. You know it's going to be great records. So, I'd go down there all the time. It's like high as fuck and like go dig records and we'd dig records and there'd be free beer. I'm like, I love free beer. Like, <laughs> let me get that. I'm partying. I'm from an island. And then there would be wine there too. Which I didn't really take notice, but the thing that got me into it is that one day, uh, pizza showed up. It was like triple beam pizza in Los Angeles. Great pizza place. This pizza showed up. And I was like, what the fuck is up with this pizza? I tried it. I was like, dude, this is the greatest pizza I've ever tried. And it turns out that our friend, uh, my mentor, Soil Pimp Robert Dentis, ordered this pizza. And I was like, yo, what's up with this pizza, I think. And, you know, I was starting to get really into food you know i cook at home all the time still i was always constantly cooking like thinking of things and i'd see the food that he was eating and he's eating at places like noma and i'm like what is noma like what is that and i look it up i'm like holy shit these guys are like this is like some next level food like what is this next level food and so i'd start hitting him on instagram about food and he'd be like yeah go eat here here and there in los angeles and then come back, you know, whenever they do a pop-up, I'd show up, 
and talk to him, then, you know, I, I eventually, well, so back to be real TV, I was, there was one year where we had to review, we had to name a bunch of strains of weed, like 70, 80 strains of cannabis where this breeder came in with all these strains of weed. We had to rate the weed, describe its taste and like name it. Sounds like a blind wine taste. Yeah, bas- yeah. Basically. Yeah. So it's all new weed that like nobody's ever smoked. And we did that. And so pimp was like, Oh, like you're doing that. What do you think of this wine? You know, and he started sharing wine with me. He's like, what would you rate this wine? You know, with your weed palette. And to be like, dude, this thing like to me is like a, I think he shared some Keller with me. I was like, this is like a 9.2 out of 10. Like, you know, whatever that means. Like, (laughs) this is some great, like I've never tasted anything like this this. in my life. So I started really just getting, you know, just asking like, what, like, what do I drink? And just, you know, see what they're doing. And eventually, yeah, man, just started finding bottles in Los Angeles and which LA is not huge on german riesling it's kind of hard to find i mean sure. it's there but you gotta you can't just go to any wine shop you gotta go to like a list there's like five six seven different wine shops where it's like oh this is where you can find that stuff and you know the rarity of it and all that uh yeah it started diving into the pandemic hit and soil pimp would send me uh you know flights of bottles he'd be like oh you know like here study these, like try these out. You know, we try some NorCal wines, some Bougogne, some uh, Riesling and different regions of Germany. So during the pandemic is where I started like really learning about it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually start going out and venturing myself and just finding out it's like, man, I fucking love Mosul Riesling. Like this, the acidity of it, especially Stein. I don't know. It's It was just always very, very pleasant to my palate. I'm not like a wine expert by any means, but you know, I even wine I went to school for, you know, like I, I took a free class um on uh Coursera from UC Davis. Mm. They have a wine sensory technique. So you you know, they're like, oh go out and get these wines and yeah. taste them and like write your notes and pair them with foods and do all that. You know, just expanding the knowledge of the wine and learning where it comes from. Like, I, I really like this wine because I know exactly where it comes from. It comes from Uli Stein. Like, mm-hmm. I get to look up on, you know, uh, get to look up videos of this dude and he just seems like a really cool dude and that's that's a part of why I like certain wines too. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, who's making it? It's like not, it's by far like not the most expensive wine in the world ever. Like, it's, it's pretty accessible. It's right. around and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really enjoy that and, um, He's an artist, so uh, it's to, you know my understanding of it. It's me being an artist. I was like, this is an art of some kind, and just uh, just really decided. I was like, man, I I love wine. It's like it's just a new addition to my life that's been pretty positive. Like the people I meet through wine, totally different than people I meet through weed, man. Like just <laughs> like I'm like, holy shit, this is what I've been missing out on. Like the weed world, like was kind of like. You know, it being coming from an illegal background, like, it kind of fucked everything up. Like, you, you know, you don't necessarily meet the most wholesome people in the weed world. Yeah. Whereas in the wine world, like, you get all kinds of beautiful people that just love, they have great taste. Like, it's like, you got food, wine, you know. Yeah, it's a different, but, and that, and that goes back to what we were saying in the, in the kind of like in the beginning, like, of how, that's why Riesling studies so dope. I mean, like, it's just people who love food, wine, and music. 
And music. And music. Well, that's what I noticed about the wine world is like, oh, usually like, you know, if you got taste in this and that, you probably have some good taste in music. And sure enough, like people I start meeting yeah. in the wine world, like you love music. And, yeah. you know, there's people in the music world that love wine. And it's, uh, they're all trying to find out, you know, just learn more. Learn so, more from each other. Yep. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Robert also, um, He's a DJ. So how did how did you come to DJ your first Riesling study event? My first Riesling study, I think, was my birthday. I was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in, you know, want to go to New York for my birthday." And he's like, "Well, let's throw a Riesling study." You know, like I think we did. Uh, we did. It was two bottles: a Stein. Um, we did an unfiltered Stein and a filtered Stein. I think it was the Blauschi for Blue Slate pretty sure yeah in 2020 like mid pandemic you know like where everything in the city was shut down i decided to come out for my birthday and um yeah we just flew it flew out i played some records he played some records and it was, wait, just, me, it was just me and him <clears throat> wait was that this is at public records okay in, i didn't mean I, I didn't make that yeah one, so I, I, it was a pretty like it was, it was super low-key because it was like mid-pandemic like right. nobody was coming out like, like there was no vaccine even then yeah there was yeah, no yeah. Va- there was nothing dude like right, it was right. just like ah fuck it, like, it. Fuck it. we got it it's like i've just been cooped up yeah I need some wine and yeah exactly and it's like yeah. let's just go to um yeah, let's go Easy there. Easy to buy out the place during a pandemic, and, too. And my, <laughs> and my first Riesling, it was basically just like a really small party yeah. of us. Like, I don't even know if, like, the restaurant was open. Like, right. But, yeah, it was just... Uh, no, restaurant but, might have been open doing takeaway. Yeah, yeah. It was very... But no, no one was going to restaurants. It was very low-key, and, like, it was so much fun, and, like, we just got to, ta- you know, study these wines. And, like, my first Riesling study, I learned a lot, because, like, dude, drank... I basically drank like two bottles to the face and then the next day I couldn't even like, I could, like we went out for lunch and I couldn't even eat. So I was like, oh my God, dude, like I'm so hungover and like flew. We went to Roberta's Pizza and like I didn't eat anything. Like I ba- barely tasted anything. I was like, dude, I'm s- so hungover. Like I've never been that hungover in my life. Like, so I couldn't eat and then I flew back home. Then I was only in New York for like, to 36 hours wow. maybe like wow. flying right. drink dj and fly back home and then i found out that they had roberta's in los angeles so the first thing i did was like go to roberta's in la eat the pizza i was like all right this is what i missed out on <laughs> but so that one and like the one after that still same story like oh i fucking drank way too much like then you start learning it's like oh yeah you gotta drink like lots of water yeah. you gotta learn how to spit your wine yeah, because exactly. dude there's so much at the Riesling study in Chicago of December last year, like, that was, like, one of my first official, like, sp- it's like, yo, I'm spitting until I got to perform. Like, I am not going to, like, drink yeah. this much wine because, dude, there was so much wine. Like, you have to learn. Yeah, like, like you learn. Um, you know, I think my, I didn't, I mean, I pretty banged up, but, like, knowing now that, like, it's time, like, someone will pour you something and literally you might get one sip. And then someone's coming around with another fucking oh, yeah. dope, and you got to dump it. Yeah, and, dump and, it. And, and nobody gets mad. It's no. not like nobody's like you. You poured out my shit. No, it's like no. they understand because you know yeah. um, that's something people have to learn when you when you're. Uh, yeah. And reasoning study is a little different because 
it is a study, but it is it is it's a party too. Every, everybody so is. You got to you got to pace the party if you want to make it. Everybody at Riesling Study, I've never met like such extremely generous people. Like people are breaking out, you know, Keller G Max, and like yeah, just pour up for everybody. Like you know, crazy bottles, or it's like. It's like okay, you know, but it's, yeah, you go to most wine tastings. People got their 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 their, their prize bottles, and they're hiding them. Yeah, yeah, and, and and but they'll flex and go around and pour their friends, and they'll look at you like you're not getting any. Yeah, yeah, it's like hmm, yeah. no, but a reasoning study it's is not interesting. that way. Like when you first start out, it's a little bit like. Yes, we're at dinner because it usually starts out as a dinner party. So right, we're all like, right, "Oh right. yeah, That's proper right. proper for dinner." Yeah. <laughs> well, we went to the one in Porcelain. It's like everybody's like proper yeah. for like at least like an hour. And then like two hours in, it's like, like fuck, bro. Like, <laughs> it's just like everybody's pouring wine, like yep. p- spilling wine, like got yeah, riesling all over yeah, yourself. Yeah, riesling. You know, the good thing about riesling study is like the spills don't you know they don't stain your clothes. Dude, man. I I love getting riesling spilt on myself. I'm like, anytime riesling gets spilled, I'm like, it just means my clothes are gonna. Smell cool, like I don't know, like <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get mad about about reasoning getting spilt all over me, like yeah. So, somebody tried to apologize, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, man, like you don't get it. I love reasoning. Like, all right, this is a part of this. It's like an initiation, it's like a baptism. Yeah, if you will, I'll pour this reasoning on my head right now no, <laughs> on the podcast for the podcast. Do it for the art. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so. How did you connect with uh, Public Enemy and Lee Scratch Perry? So let's do Public Enemy. Well, Pub- Public Enemy was through Cypress Hill. They did a okay. co- they did a collab with them, and okay. then I just recorded uh, some vocals for B, and got credits on that record. A fit like on their their Def Jam record, I got like official credits on it. That was just like oh, that's dope. Most most people when you're in the recording, they don't they don't give a fuck. Like they'll just be like, oh yeah, so and so record. They don't care people don't care about credits like crediting other people right you know but those guys from that crew like they hit they hit me up like their engineer was like oh can we credit you on this def jam record and was like fuck yeah i'll get my name on a def (laughs) Def jam Jam public enemy def jam cypress hill (laughs) produced by george clinton oh shit! george clinton made the beat yeah so that was pretty cool getting getting credits i got two credits on there Got my government name and Skinny Pablo. Uh, that that's shit. what's yeah, up. You know, <laughs> di- different roles on the record. I was like, this dude's assistant engineer, and you know, Skinny Pablo's a lead engineer. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that and Lee Scratch Perry was during the pandemic. Yes, like, he put out a tweet. He was like, "Hey, anybody that wants to work with me, like, you know, hit me up." Like, and, and, and tell people who Lee Scratch Perry is, man. So Lee Scratch Perry is the because most people don't know. Wow, it's a, it's amazing. Like, if you look up Lee Scratch Perry, he's basically, you know, the founder of. I'm gonna say, you know, what he started with the genre of, uh, basically founded reggae music, dub music, all that stuff where everything comes from, where it's pretty much like electronic music came from the hip-hop came from there mm. he started you know in jamaica he made like the first like tracks that were that were just influential in that way like it like i've had people come up to me and like yo the you know everything came from that dude like he invented like one of the first styles of like something that sounded like you know it 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 was all analog and just crazy sounding instrumental stuff that was totally unconventional the sounds that he was picking, everything, and uses use samples, like all that stuff, and basically where 
majority of like modern day music stems from like if you look at it like the history of it like that from the genres that he created stemmed all kinds of stuff you know and and uh deep music heads will recognize but lee perry basically like he's the he's like somebody told me he's like oh it's basically like the elvis of reggae Mm. you know but Mm. everything that stemmed from reggae you know all the electronic genres i feel came from that you know like hip-hop uh house music drum and bass music all came from that and lee basically did everything in that and um you know he went for about like 85 years uh, he made music for a majority of that time like coming from jamaica and doing all that and he so the most important thing one of the most important things uh lee did was he founded like bob marley like he made bob marley's like first reggae recordings mm. like before lee like uh bob marley was making uh milkshake and potato chips <clears throat> yeah they, i saw uh, a picture he they were like Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, they had on suits. Yeah, 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 and, suits, and, yeah. He, and they were just Silk doing suits, they were yeah. doing American music, like, right. covers. Right. Then he linked with Lee Perry, and Lee Perry was just like, fuck all that shit. Like, he turned him to, like, a spiritual person and, um, you know, just uh, gave gave him a sound. He get, he said he gifted Lee Perry reggae music, and or uh, Lee Perry gifted Bob Marley reggae music, rather, and, you know, that eventually became what it was, and... Um, you know all the other stuff that stems out of it, but I'd say yeah, just do your do your own research if you want to find Lee Perry. But yeah. I eventually went on to work with him. So, during... so he just put out a tweet. Yeah, he put out a tweet. Who wants to work with? Me? Yeah, he was like email me this, and then I hit him up, and it's like yeah, you know, just throw me some euros and uh, send me the music, and I sent him music. And he's like, oh, just send me some more music. So I was like. All right, I'll send you some more music. So I sent, I just kept, sent him a couple of tracks, like hit basically like hip hop, like mm-hmm. reggae beats. Mm-hmm. And he sent me back like full take, like crazy recordings of like all kinds of stuff, like him saying like just everything that could be say, said under the stun, like stuff that you never heard anybody say before. I was like, what the fuck is he saying? He's saying like some, <laughs> he's saying, no, I'm not going to even say crazy. He's like saying some majestic shit right. on these beats. And I was just, uh, completely mind blown so yeah i took i took those recordings there's those original recordings but me as a music producer like i love producing i'm like all right you gave me that take i'm gonna take those takes and like split them apart and make those into songs and the songs that came out of that were it was music that i've never even made before it was like electronic kind of like dance music you mm. know like four in the floor boats 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 where we were just making, like, he never really made music like that. I've never made music, but it's just what was inspired. And it's, like, really crazy, like, like I I love it. came out sounding really dope. We still have a bunch of songs that we're just releasing on dub plates, Mm -hmm. you know, even after he's passed away. But, you know, I'm I'm working with his estate. I'm just getting all this music out there because the way I want to release the music was not all at once. I'm like, I want to just dole Mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. Because these days in music... Like you put out an album, people are gonna listen to one song and then it's it's done. You know, yeah. it's like they move on to the next. It, it's uh, you know, the retention for things these days is just, uh, it's just not there. Like I I was sent an article that kids don't even listen to music. 
Right. Like, I don't, they, they probably just listen to music on the TikTok, you know, like, yeah, no, like I mean, 15 seconds and that's, a, oh, that's a cool song. That's yeah. It, it's, you know? I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, the challenge, like, in today's world is the uh, holding attention, attention, and, 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 that, span. and that it's been dialed down, you know? Um, so, that's first of all, that's just so dope that story. But then, like, so how did the uh, what was your first foray into fashion? Because you uh, you have uh, talk about what you're doing in fashion now and Fa- how you got there. Fashion was made. I was really inspired um, from fashion by these cats. They go by a group Griselda, which is Westside Gun and Conway. Let's do Benny the Butcher, but Westside Gun basically, he would always be like doing these drops, like, yo, check out these fucking crazy shirts. Like, there's only 50 of them. And I was like, man, that's like really inspiring. I want to make something. So I made this design. Uh, so this is a brand. So before Skinny Pablo, I was going by the name Ross Dude, like yes. the Rasta Dude. Right. So, like, this is the Ross Dude brand. Right. And I made a, I, I hit up an artist, like, hey, can you make like a nug smoking human? Then I hit up another artist. <laughs> Then I hit up another artist, and eventually it came out to this design. Like, it upgraded, like, over the years. So, I was really into this graphic t-shirt design, um, and that's basically how I got into it. Then I started, like, doing patterns. Yeah. So, I got a pattern like this and did it for myself and other people. And you got, like, you had, like, a, a Vans. You did, like, some sneakers. You just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, I got the Vans on right now. We These are the old, these ones aren't even available anymore, but we got, uh, you know, just a... Uh, we did a new line of sneakers just recently, but yeah, rossdude.com and skinnypablo.com. Skinny Pablo's got his own merch. Ross Dude's got their own merch. Then I do merch for uh, another brand for this DJ named C-. That one also looks cool. Then Lee Scratch Perry also, like, I made a brand for his. So, yeah, just a uh, clothing design. I love just it, – it comes out of love for art and just what's a more fun way to – put your art on things and just put on some clothes like people walk around with your art all over like i know people that do graffiti and it's like okay it's in one place but right you, you know do graffiti people walk around in your tag yeah what well, you do your tag basically you know hand style like mm-hmm. you can put that on a shirt and you have somebody walking around the whole world with it you know so yeah and just also the there was a point where i was like i just you know i did everything that i wear I, I don't know if it's like a hip hop thing, but I was like, everything I wear, I just want to be original. Mm. You know, it's so like got rid of like all my clothes. I was like, everything I wear, I just want to be something I created, you know, no matter what the fuck it is, like everything. Like, and it, it comes from that too. Like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing what everybody else is doing, but yeah, I just felt like I was like, man, I just want to wear everything. Some unique that, shit. No, yeah, like, some, really. Some unique. And it's also, I'm, I'm running a business. I'm a walking billboard for, right. for you're my a fashion business man, like Jay Z. Yeah, Jay said, exactly. You're a business man. Jay Z is like super inspirational. When he said that, that line is like, "I'm a business man." Like, right. yeah. it's like you know that that's how you should be if you're getting into you know being an artist, like yeah. your whole thing. But you know you, you know whether you're, whether you're doing music or cooking or any of that stuff, you know. So, that's dope. By the way. Shit's not cheap, but it's worth it. And we'll make sure all that stuff where you can find it's in the show notes oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Because it's very unique. It's one of a kind. It's limited. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, all limited. Like, you know, and we come out with new designs as, it, as the uh, as time allows, you know, like, it's like, all right, we got this, like, 
like i'll see people wearing my other stuff i'm like oh you're in that old thing like you better you bring up the new stuff <laughs> sir the update oh it's like sir. it's like it's like having an iphone you know you got the iphone 3 yeah it's like dude we're on iphone 12 already like yeah. you still got that like we're we're on iphone 12 over here no but i you know uh shout out to everybody that's ever like acquired an item of mine like you know super collectible i love you guys like so much like it's forever grateful so you live in uh long beach now correct oh my goodness long beach i fucking love long beach it's a it's a, one of the best decisions i made i think in the past couple of years is to you know i was living in los angeles mm-hmm. in all these different neighborhoods and then uh yeah eventually i went down to long beach to do a radio show very much like this. I was like, dude, this place is great. Like, I'm just going to, I just need to be here all the time. There's parks. You just hang out. You know, learning how to relax is is uh, it's very key in life. I mean, like, uh, you know, I'll force myself, like, go to the lagoon, chill on the grass, look at the ducks, making it a part of my lifestyle. You know, like, in America, everything is like, oh, we got to do this and do that and just like nonstop work that can definitely burn you out. Yeah. So just finding time for yourself to relax, like Long Beach delivers that, you know, for me, it's like, you know, you, you can find it out here. Like you go to a park or something, but just, I'm a water. No, person. I got to tell you though, there's, I grew up by the Atlantic ocean and I love the ocean, but like mm-hmm. the Pacific is a completely different ocean. It just has a completely different energy. Yeah. That just is, it's chill. And I, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just chill. I, I, you know, I grew up, looking at the Pacific Ocean, like the deepest part of it every single day, yeah. dude, like of my life. Like it on Guam, we were there. The island is so small. It's like, it was like eight miles wide and 30 miles up and down. Mm-hmm. So no matter what part of the island you're in, you're going to be seeing ocean, dude. Mm-hmm. It's an island. Like you're going to be near the ocean like five minutes away. It's just a matter of picking a spot. So, you know, that that's something I, I always long for. It's like, ah, oh, just be near like some chill body of water yeah you just always have to do it like you know and it's it's a fun experience it's just uh you know the yeah every everything um modern day society life starts to like stack up and you gotta kind of just like take time for yourself to think you know that's where all the ideas come from you know by relaxing you know you 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 think of things you put fuckload of effort into it then you you know life i was told life is like a wave you got to figure out how to just like find a balance so you're not going too far down mm-hmm. or too far up like you know if you sleep all day you're fucked you know <laughs> like like yeah we all love to sleep all day you know but know. but you know working your ass off then going to you know a park and lying down in the grass in the sun for a couple hours you know just taking a whole day for yourself like it's healthy i feel like you know for sure just, uh, for sure. Yeah. Health is wealth, dude. Like, it is the ultimate. Um, so talk about Riesling and Reggae. Obviously, you know, uh, this is like something you started. It's when did like, you start it? And- uh, we started doing Riesling, Riesling Reggae pairings probably like just to the beginning of this year, I think. Okay. Um, we did a first like really official one. It's something I started doing at um, a spot called Dudley Market because they're one of the only places in LA that's got like a great Riesling selection. Or Riesling that I love, um, you know, the Kerry Stein and all that. So, I just show up for lunch and start playing reggae there. Then we threw an official one at this spot called Bouvons, 
Mouvons in uh, Long Beach, which is a new wine bar where they let us bring a sound system, like a Jamaican-style sound system. I'm just playing all these uh, dope reggae records, and you know, we picked out some Rieslings. And I just feel like it's a good, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great pairing, man. Like reggae party music, lots of bass, Riesling. Kind, of, you know, it's not gonna get you like too down. Something you drink for hours and hours on end. And everybody yeah. can enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little more lively. You got that the acidity. Acid, yeah. Yeah, the acidity. acidity. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's just what Cuts I... Cuts through the cotton mouth. It's what know? it's what I learned from Riesling study. Like, what, uh, like go, going to Riesling study, it's like, holy shit, music and wine. Like, all right, let me do my take, which is basically just throwing reggae. Because Riesling study is usually like like a jazz, sweet soul. Yeah. Like that, that music. It's like all the music that got sampled in oh, hip hop. Yeah. Yep. It's like the originals. Yes. So great. Man. Yeah. Like, and I so, love that. So, so, it, um, yeah, it's, uh, like, like when you go like people like, and you know, most people your age don't even know, like they think people don't even realize people like, like Biggie, like, like the Isley Brothers have been sampled so many times. Yeah. People, you'd be lucky for a kid in 20, be like, oh, they sampled Biggie. Like they don't mean like, no, it's not even, no, they, they sampled somebody who sampled that a year ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not knowing the fucking origins of this yeah. shit, you know what I'm saying? And and I remember uh, I forgot who Robert had a DJ at the Philly one, but I was like that like he was the ult- one of the ultimate like he was playing all the quote unquote breakbeats, he's playing all the yep. originals. Like you're like you're like oh that's Benita Applebaum. No, it's the fucking original song. Like mm-hmm. it's the you know what I mean it's like and so that so that that is that vibe. But then you know I mean Riesling and reggae that is so that is so West Coast. Uh, yeah, because West Coast got that they got that ska kind of. Sky the, like Orange County kind of white boy the, reggae that goes on. Yeah, the, you the, know the reggae scene. Well, in Long Beach, like Long Beach is, they're really big into reggae, and the the cuts that I'm playing are like yeah, because like Sublime was from there. Like, yeah, yeah, Sublime was, was from, from there, yeah, and like all that. But so they, like, have, they have an homage to it. It's different. Yeah, but yeah, they they have. I mean, they have a fan base even in Jamaican music. Like my thing is like I love Jamaican like the deepest cuts. Like right. of like holy shit! Like what is this dude playing? Like you know where it comes from dub. Whereas like you know. You, you get the, uh, I think a majority of people over there are like in California reggae, but I'm always like trying to just introduce like stuff that they don't no, that, which is know d- Exactly about. right. Because I mean like the California reggae is fun, but like, like you said, man, like I remember just going to like house parties in college yeah. and like, like Jamaicans, like you put your song out and then there's a version of it like the yep. next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, remember like uh, the, they do all the Tracy Chapman song, like, you know, yeah. I mean like. It's kind of weird for me because I'm playing like reggae music that is too deep for people I'm like sure. it's like it's like you know i'm playing uh i don't know if you ever heard of prince farai mm. like prince farai is like a like this guy was like a major like you know his he, he was a producer as well like like lee scratch perry like he would produce bands but his content was very like um it was like very religious like mm. he he would he would um it was like deep, like sad songs, but when you play it at forty five, <laughs> like it was so slow. Like his music is so slow, but right. when you play it at forty five, it sounds like party music. <laughs> He'll be like reading like the Ten Commandments, right? Psalms and shit. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, Psalm Psalms for our eye. That's what he does. He reads Psalms from from the Bible, but like that's wow. like. But the the rhythms and like the bass lines are like so crazy sounding, and like everybody that hears it is just like it's like what is that? And it's it's very special music. 
you know, to me, that's just like, uh, it's, it's very much along, along the lines of like, you know, that sweet soul gospel music that, that Robert incorporates into his Riesling studies. So like I'm playing this, something that's similar, but very different. Lots of heavy bass, like bass changes the vibe of any party like a good bass line when you got strong yeah. bass lines and strong kicks and strong drums like it, it turns anything into a party basically and like yeah so we're doing the second uh official one i don't know when this podcast comes out but we're doing another one in long beach on friday may 6th yeah that's, that, that'll be long past it'll be shit. long past like we're like two months behind okay well well, we'll, ha- we'll have another one hopefully uh, in the east coast yeah by and, then. and like i said we'll put where people can find you in the show notes and mm-hmm. they should get on your mailing list so they can yeah, yeah. and you were like on the road you, you did so you did an event in austin like you're starting to take shit on the road now right yeah but, man i've been on the road uh i don't know it's re- it's really crazy because when i was like you know younger i didn't do too much traveling i was mostly just like in la for like years yeah and just this past two years like since the pandemic started i started traveling so it's time to travel it's like it's time to travel <laughs> it's dangerous as fuck Let it's, me have it's dangerous as fuck. <laughs> oh what i can get a flight for 50 bucks exactly. like to new york like let's do it yeah. so like you know started traveling a lot and, and they're making up for that shit now <laughs> yeah and and playing all over the yeah. place in austin oh, wow that that was that was such a surprise. Like, shout out to DJ Bourgeois. He he flew me out, got me out there uh, just after finding out that I DJ Riesling Study. Yeah. You know, so started DJing Riesling Study, and other people in the yeah. wine world would take notice and be like, "Was this guy playing? Oh, let's have him come play over here. Like, what's this about?" So, you know, I'm always happy to play any wine event. That definitely changed the vibe up, you know. I don't, I don't know what they usually listen to at wine parties. Like, um, they don't usually have music. They usually party. don't, right? Right? No, no, no. Or champagne like, party. I want to play a champagne party, yeah, man. Or, like, or it's fucking what it would be? It'd be like Muzak, right? It'd be like some program shit. Yeah, um, we can make that happen. You Cham- know, um, we Dan Bastian and Rodrigo, they they go to air champagne bar. We can hook something. Yeah, up. I want to. I want to do a up. champagne. I think. Look, look at Rodrigo and Dan got a shout out. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Outside of reason, uh, outside of reasoning, I say like champagne or some uh, Beaujolais. Yeah, yeah. So a red wine party sounds like too intense. So like that's a bit. It's hard. It's hard. I love red wine. I mean, I drink a ton. I, I, mean, I love I, it. I mean, I mean, I probably. I mean, but for Robert, I wouldn't. And as much as I love Riesling, you just don't think to drink it. And I'm sure glad he re- reinvigorated that. I mean, speaking of Riesling, so you like Moselle Riesling as your favorite wine versus like the Falls or anything. What about Moselle Riesling? What What do you like? What What, what is it about Moselle Riesling for you? And I mean, specifically, like I've tried Uli stuff and like you could, t- you could taste that land, man. Like it mm. tastes totally different. It tastes so different from just from anything else I try. I... I don't know. So in the wine world, I've only been in the wine world for so long, and I've started meeting a lot of people, and sure. they drink all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And most of the time, dude, like I'm like, I'm like, the stuff is cute, but it's not fucking Mosel Riesling, dude. <laughs> I love I'm, try- that. I'm trying to get that thing that hits me in my yeah, jaw. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Like gives you that that T- TMJ thing, like makes your jaw lock up. Yeah, right? I was yeah. like, yo, like I'm smiling like, the whole time, but <laughs> the stuff that your teeth hurts the next day. But like, yeah, man, that that Mosel Riesling, like just the acidity of it. Growing up, I think it comes from growing up on Guam, being around like acidic, like highly acidic mm-hmm. foods all the time. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just something that's very satisfying man like it's just uh like if the acidity is like down here or that barely there i'm like all right cool but once it starts like reaching up in your eyeballs like it's like it's like fuck yeah this is what i it's like a high of some kind i don't know but then also it just, just tastes really good you know tried a few different of the the slates as they call like yep. they got blue slate gray yep. red so it's just the uh, Riesling, I mean, Riesling in general, man, it's so diverse. Like, it's it's fucking insane. Like, you know, I can get a Riesling and taste like this and that, and, and they're all just all the same, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, like people. We're all the same, but different. But different, know? yep. So, um, what was the bottle of Riesling that really just made you fucking fall in love? Oh, man. Um... This one right here, the Alpha Holler. <laughs> oh, really? Alpha Holler. Yeah. Um, that one, when I tasted it, I was just like, it, it's, it's mostly the story behind it. You know, it comes from a vine that's 120 years old, and it's farmed by Uli Stein, who's also up there in age. You know, like, it's just like it, some crazy um, plant scientist dude. That he, I don't know. It's just... Uh, that he lo- he loves what he does so much, you know, making that wine, and that's kind of like it's like this dude loves his work so much. Like I love it too. Like it, it's a it's a reflection of what how much love he puts in. Like I can taste it, you know. Like I can taste the love put in it, and you know, it's uh, it's something that I feel like. I mean, you know, my knowledge is very limited, but it. It's something that I've only experienced in in these wines. You know, the other wines, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, it feels like it's like, you know, it's it's uh, more corporate or whatever. But this is like one dude, maybe telling a few people what to do. But he's there, yeah, and he's putting all all he's got into that wine, and it and it reflects. You know, it's kind of like kind of like me making beats like i do everything myself like i I could feel it like i feel like you know his soul into it and uh yeah this is what makes the wine so special and this one just being that it's on the most difficult slope in that area yeah it it uh it's really like holy shit this guy's going through all this work just to make like like barely any like barely any wine you know yeah, like it yeah. it it's not he's not producing he's in it for the art yeah he's not producing a million bottles right, like right. He, it's like dude this is this is so special and the fact that we can get it even get it in united states like it's it's crazy yeah because i know that the wine you know it's like i i heard that he just he just sells that shit like right there like you know like whoever pulls up <laughs> you know he's not like super fit he doesn't care like he'll sell it to the right to anybody but just pull just like, pull up to the vineyard like, like, like old know? school like yeah. basically selling mixtapes out of the trunk of his yeah, car like, selling a mixtape. i got some wine <laughs> all right man so what are you most excited about uh for the future for skinny pablo the future the future is very bright that's why i wear these sunglasses <laughs> on the podcast that shit was dope by the way <laughs> but um um the future man well in the future Probably by the time this comes out, uh, if it, I plan on being in Germany. Oh, so you're going to Germany? Is your first trip? Going to Germany, first trip. Oh, shit. That's um, good. I'm going to tell you, they, 
And they're gonna be ready for him because Robert knows everybody. They yeah. know they know who the fuck you are. Oh, be some, he, he, he's he's gonna be there. Ooh. We're gonna, we're gonna visit Uli. We're gonna visit Keller. We're gonna we're gonna visit all those like heart the yeah. the you know all the favorite producers I've ever drank from. We're gonna visit that in July. So if this is in July, we'll be there now. But um, yeah, going going to Germany, then maybe uh, taking some side adventures throughout Europe and. You know, perhaps playing some music in a in a whatever wine bar near you. Wine bar near you, yes. Yeah, de- de- yeah, definitely Los Angeles. You know, just keep it going and going strong. And you know, remember uh, earlier asked me what I like to do career. I love to open a wine bar. You yeah. know, like open a wine bar, something that's scalable where we can supply the whole world with like dope German riesling and music and like basically like whatever we do. Uh, like Riesling study, Riesling reggae, like that on like a global scale. It's like how do we get that to be around the the globe or whatever shape they think it is? Um, <laughs> you know, like it would it'd be so great, like yeah. just to have this because it's such a special party. It's a, it really is. It's such a good vibe party. It's like man, it'd be amazing. Like all right, it's fun that we're doing it here, but it'd be cool if we did it if everybody was doing. Yeah, it. We, like everybody. I mean, how was dope? Doing how it. dope if like like. Every time there's a reasoning study, there was a reasoning study going on somewhere around the world. Like oh, each city, each like city. like each yeah. city, it's like oh, let's like, all it's yeah. reasoning day. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Reasoning day, we all listen to the same music, yeah. whatever. Like you know, program just, to set. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. You know, like uh, like Rodney Dangerfield, just do do a spiel. It's like okay, here it is. We got these reasonings. We got this music. We got the you know and, these and, records. This food, like we're good. Like everybody's gonna have a good time. Like everybody. So it's like, how do you do that in, you know, let's just say like 25 places in the world at once, you know? That's awesome. Just be, be a Trader Joe's of uh, Riesling <laughs> fucking parties or just good wine in general. You know, that that's the thing about Riesling is it led me into figuring out what my tastes are and like, you know, you'll taste certain wine. And given not not every Riesling is my favorite either. Like, you know, that's why I like the Mosul stuff. Yep. I've, I've tasted some Rieslings. I was like... I was like, Skinny Pablo doesn't drink cabinets. <laughs> no, but, like, Skinny, you better bring some trocken yeah. to Skinny Pablo right now. Like, <laughs> like this is a little too sweet. No, but, you know, whatever. Sweets I, are I, sweets are cool. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. but, you know, tried some good Chardonnay here in New York. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah. No doubt. Beaujolais. No doubt. Just still learning in those departments, but. Man, Skitty Pablo, thank you so much for coming in today. Oh. Dude, this was dope as fuck. Thank you for having me. Um, tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Be a part of what I'm doing. Uh, find me skinny.pablo on Instagram. You can find the clothes, uh, some of the clothes, Ross Dude, Ross, R-A-S underscore D-U-D-E. Haduda, pronounce in French. Uh, Mosai Music, that's my label. You find our music, Lee Perry Project, all kinds of new projects. Man, how many more links do I got? Uh, soilpimprecords.com. We, you know, we release records with some with uh, Soil Pimp. And uh, man, I don't know what what else do I gotta say? No idea. Shout out to Stein. See you guys soon. Go get yourself some Stein. Mosel Riesling. Kind of, I'm pretty lit. I'm gonna say off these. Uh, well, these I know, right I here. know, and 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 Skinny Pilo is definitely in the studio. Skinny Pablo. Oh yeah, studio stuff. Look, look for just look for the music. We're gonna be dropping a, 
a just like a massive quantity of music very soon like just beats for we have at least like 24 hours worth of music for okay. people to just like loop, loop. you know yeah. it's like you find something new in there for the rest of your life i think you know <laughs> unless you really listen to music 24 like 7 but just be on the lookout man i don't know yeah follow our social media at dot uh skinny dot pablo we got you we'll Thank have you. all those links everybody who's listening don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode that's where you find out info on the wine we drank in the episode links to the cool things we discussed and so much more until the next time here's to the mavericks the philosophers deep thinkers and all you riesling drinkers it's your boy mj peace peace Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. 